1: Amen. We're going to read the Bible now. Uh, if you do have a Bible there uh, and you are following along, it's Acts chapter 8. It's going to be on the screen as well. Um, and if you are following from a Bible from the f- from the front, it's page 889. So we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 8. And Saul approved of the killing of him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city.
0: Good morning, everyone. My name is Ryan, and I'm going to be privileged to opening up this passage with us this morning. So before I get started, I'm going to do a few things to get myself sorted. But while I do that, I want you to think about what gets you excited What's you know one thing that excites you? And just share it with the person next year. I'll be back in a sec. Got something? Something that excites you? Uh, maybe uh, this excites you. Maybe getting out in the garden, into nature. Maybe that gets you going. Or, you know, maybe Queensland's winning the bid. I think they've won the bid to get the AFL Grand Final at the Gabba. Maybe that's got you excited. Um, maybe this gets you excited anticipating a Southside Coffee after church. And maybe, you know, one thing that's you know got me and Sarah excited at the moment is uh, a TV series. Maybe you're excited about the next season of Virgin River like Sarah and I are. Can't wait. Um, But what's really exciting me this morning is my Father's Day gift that I haven't got yet, but I can't wait to get because I'm getting, uh, or Sarah's getting me my first edition copy of Knowing God by J.I. Packer, leather bound. It's going to be so good. Some blind um, uh, lettering, gold lettering. It's going to be so good. I can't wait to get it. That doesn't excite you? (laughs) What? Um, But what about church? Does Is church getting you excited at the moment? How excited are you this morning sitting there about being here, about living the Christian life? And how excited are you about continuing to get on with the mission of seeing 1% of our community come to know Jesus, seeing over a 1,000 people come to, to follow Jesus while COVID is all happening around us? How excited are you about that? How might it compare you know, to the beginning of the year before COVID even happened? You know, because it is difficult, isn't it, to be uh, excited in a hard situation? You know, excitement isn't usually something we just naturally feel when faced with difficulty. You know, sometimes you know, hard hardship and excitement just don't go together. When we're faced with a, with a hard situation, a difficult situation, and so maybe you know, for you sitting here this morning, you are not excited about church. You're not excited about following Jesus because COVID just makes things so hard, so difficult, and so excited. Being excited, being joyful, uh, is hard. Yeah, you know, and fair enough, right? You know, it's hard to be excited when life is hard, and so when we pick up this unfolding story of acts that we've been following we're seeing uh, for the first time the church actually wrestling with and facing difficult situations before them in acts chapter 8 we're going to see three hard situations facing jesus's people that seem incompatible with joy with excitement but as we join Jesus' people in these stories, we are going to discover that there is a way to find excitement, to find joy in the face and even in the midst of difficult situations. And as we pick up you know, the story of Acts in chapter 8, and particularly verses 1 to 3, you know, we're entering into the first hard situation that the church is facing. They're facing persecution, they're grieving deeply, and they've been scattered beyond the borders of their homeland, beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And this isn't the first time, though, in the story of Acts that, you know, Jesus' people have been faced being mistreated, uh, being um, suffered, suffering for their relationship with Jesus. We saw in uh, late, or earlier on in, in Acts chapter 5 that the apostles, they were were jailed and beaten. But this time, Stephen... He isn't just jailed and beaten. No, he's killed for his relationship with Jesus. He is tied up and hit with stone after stone until he dies because of his association with Jesus. And not only that, now Jesus' people, they're starting to be uh, mistreated and suffering for their relationship with Jesus too. Hardship, hard situation spills out now into the lives of every one of Jesus' people because of their relationship with him. And, and in um, verses 1 to 3, we see that this great persecution breaks out against all the church and all except the apostles. They're scattered beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And you look at this situation and there is nothing exciting about this. There is nothing enjoyable about this but then why do we get verses in acts like this in chapter 5 verse 41 after the apostles were jailed and beaten they left rejoicing because they were counted worthy to be suffering for the name of jesus or in acts chapter 7 um verse 60 the, the verse just before chapter 8 Lord, Stephen says, as he's dying, forgive them. Don't hold this against them. Or in the verses that we're looking at this morning, chapter 8, verse 4, as the church was scattered because of their relationship with Jesus, they continue to to talk about Jesus. They continue to share the good news about Jesus, even though it's causing them so much pain. So how does this joy, this willingness to forgive, this willingness to lean into hard situations, where does that come from? It comes from this awareness that God is bigger than this. It comes from the awareness that Stephen has, that the apostles had, that that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. And for Jesus' people, it's the same. It comes from the awareness that they belong to the Jesus who is bigger than this. As Jesus taught them in John chapter fifteen and sixteen, a servant um, is no better than the master. You know, if they persecuted me, Jesus says, they will persecute you. In this world, you will have trouble, Jesus says. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Even Jesus himself was aware of this in his own life, as as he faced the the troubles that you know, faced him, particularly the, the horrific events of the cross. The crucifixion was horrible. That was not enjoyable for Jesus. That wasn't exciting for Jesus. And yet, the letter of Hebrews tells us in chapter 12 uh, that it, there was joy set before Jesus as he endured the cross. Jesus was aware of what his heavenly Father was doing, that he was bigger than the cross, He was aware that salvation would be provided through the cross. And that excited Jesus. That gave Jesus joy. And so when we're faced with hard situations, how can the deep grief that we feel be mixed with the presence of joy or excitement? And what we see here, it is not because of the events themselves but it's because of God's presence with his people and that he's bigger than this and he's growing his church. And so for us, although we are in a different situation, you know, we have our own hard situation facing us because of COVID. But how can we not just face the hard stuff that it brings and throws our way, but to to face it, to lean into it with a sense of joy and excitement. And we can if we grow an ever-deepening awareness that we belong to the God who's bigger than this. He's bigger than what we're facing. Because as we learn to, to be aware of who God is, how big He is, how big Jesus is, we will learn to, to have this growing sense of Joy and excitement and hardship. So the question is for us this morning, how aware, how conscious, mindful are we that our God who is bigger than this is actually present with us in this? As we sung just before, come and behold our holy God, because he's bigger than this. And although God is bigger than this, he's at work around us, we see that it doesn't mean that God wants to work despite us. But as his people, God wants to work in and through us. And so how is God going to grow his church through us? How does Jesus' spirit work in us and through us so that the church will grow? And as we kind of push into the answer, we'll actually be pushing into the second hard situation that Jesus' people face. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter 8, verse 5, where Jesus' people are scattered beyond the borders of Jerusalem. And the focus now kind of narrows in on one of Jesus' people, Philip. In verse 5, it sounds like Philip is heading south. (laughs) He goes down, but actually he's going north. Jerusalem is here, Samaria is up here, and he's heading north to Samaria. And he's going there to proclaim the Messiah, to tell them about Jesus, of all the places to go. He chooses to go to Samaria, and they've got history. You know, the Jews and the Samaritans, they've got history, You know, a history of being enemies. There's no empathy, you know, only hostility. No love. Only hate. And it runs deep. It goes deep. For hundreds of years, they've had this enmity between each other. Because it goes back to when the Assyrians came in the Old Testament and and kind of conquered Israel and took a bunch of them back to, um, to Assyria. And basically, those Jews just assimilated, just kind of took on the Assyrian way of life. And the Jews who were left back in Israel, they hated them for it. They despise them. They considered them unfaithful, defecting half-breeds. For the Jews, and, and Philip, remember, he is Jewish. You know, the Samaritans are those people that he would struggle to love. If not, they're the people you don't love. And yeah, you know, and the feelings were, were probably mutual. You know, I was trying to think about you know, a story to help kind of tell what this might be like. And, you know, the more I thought about it, my mind went to actually this passage that Luke tells us about in his gospel that he wrote, where Jesus goes to the Samaritans and they reject him. And his apostles say, oh, sorry, his disciples say, Lord, can we call down fire from heaven to destroy them? I was like, what? Who says, hey, Lord, We don't like these guys. Can we just call down some fire and just destroy them? Like that is the line you say when you have enemies. And okay, so obviously Jesus isn't on board with, you know, calling down fire to destroy these people. But it just goes to show, you know, Philip would have felt this way to the Samaritans at some point in his life, if not for most of his life. And so he goes to them. And so this is a hard situation for Philip because he's going to a people that he struggles to love. Philip moves towards them in love, telling them about the new life and forgiveness that's offered in Jesus. Remember, he's going there to proclaim the Messiah there. And with Jesus' love at work within him, Philip loves the Samaritans by moving towards them, you know, sharing loving words of Jesus. And a loving, healing touch. And the Samaritans are sort of hanging off Philip's very words, so they can't get enough. And in verse twelve, yeah, they believe Philip; they believe Jesus, who he is, what he came to do, and they're baptised. They become part immersed in a relationship with jesus immersed into a relationship with jesus's people and what do we see in the midst of this situation verse 8 great joy is found in the city hard situation great joy and word gets back to the apostles and in verses 14 and um, verse 14 to 25 they send john and peter because this hasn't happened before you know, the gospel hasn't uh, been believed. Jesus hasn't been believed anywhere outside of Jerusalem at this point. And so something new is happening. They send the apostles to check it out to make sure this is legit. And they come and they arrive and they say what's happening here really is Jesus' spirit at work uh, in the Samaritans. The Samaritans really are now you know, included a part of Jesus' people. In verses 15 to 17, it stands as positive proof that yes, this new life, this forgiveness is open to all people, even those who we struggle to love. And reading a little further on in Acts, in chapter 9, verse 31, we we're reminded that you know, Judea, Galilee and Samaria, they all enjoyed a time of peace. They enjoyed a time of peace. As their numbers continued to grow. So how is God going to grow the church? He's not going to grow the church despite his people. He's going to grow his church as he works in and through them. The church grows as Jesus' people live lives that reflect Jesus, reflecting Jesus' his words, his way of life. And we see this in the story of, you know of what Jesus people look like. They look like a people who do what Jesus taught. We're reminded of this in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus says, look, love your enemies, because God loves his enemies. Let them, let your en- enemies bring the good, the best, not the worst out of you. Let them bring out the love that I have loved you with. You now, look around. Anyone can love the lovable. Anyone can be friends to the friendly. But you're not just anyone. You're my people. You belong to me. So love like me, because I have loved you. Love your enemies like I do, Jesus says to us, to his people. You know, And so Jesus' spirit is at work in his people, loving those who are hard to love. And we see Jesus' spirit also at work through his people. As they extend that same love, the church grows. And what do we continue to see? Those seemingly two um, incompatible things. Hardship and excitement and joy present. But the story goes on as Jesus has done his work in Samaria through Philip and Peter and John. And in verse 25 and 26, Peter and and John, they go back to Jerusalem. But Philip, Jesus continues to move him onwards. He goes south this time down the desert road uh, towards gaza which is samaria is north of jerusalem and gaza's south He's, he heads south and so the question is kind of what's the next hard situation you know, that philip will face so let's follow the story and let's discover this this third hard situation facing jesus's people because as we pick up in verse 27 philip's on his way south and he notices an ethiopian eunuch he notices a man very different from himself. Now, I remember at Bible college, you know, I remember meeting a very different man to me. His name is Peter. And you know, I knew as soon as I looked at him, very different from me. He's so different in that he had the biggest smile I've ever seen in my life, and I don't have a very big smile. Um, you know, so it made me think, oh, this guy's far more of an optimist than my, you know, pessimism. P- Peter was different, you know, because he was tall, very tall, and yeah, you know, I'm not short, but I'm not tall. Um, but Peter was different in the way he dressed. He dressed way more formally than I did. Peter was different because he was Sudanese, and I'm not. You know, Peter was different because he had black skin, and I didn't. Different. Many differences. Meeting Peter, I knew that we were not the same, that he wasn't like me. And my story you know, with Peter is kind of similar to what we're kind of stepping into now with Philip's story with this Ethiopian eunuch. He's meeting a man very different to himself. And the first thing that Peter, um, sorry, Philip would have noticed is that you know, he isn't Jewish. He's Ethiopian. His physical appearance is different. This guy didn't have olive skin like Peter, oh Peter, Philip, Philip, he had black skin, he was Ethiopian. But that wasn't the only physical difference that this man had, he's also a eunuch, he's a castrated man. And you know, so eunuchs, castrated men, they'd often hold higher positions uh, in, of state in the ancient Near East, it was a common practice for them to, you know, to hold these higher positions. And this particular eunuch, he is the you know, the, the chief finance minister you know, for the queen of Ethiopia. And in verse 28, we we're told that he's he's on his way home after going to Jerusalem to worship at the temple. He'd come to Jerusalem to participate in the temple worship of the Jews. But he couldn't have. He could not have participated in the temple worship because eunuchs weren't allowed to. They were excluded. They were excluded from participating in one of the primary ways that God's people expressed their relationship with God in. This man was excluded from participating in a relationship with God because of his physical condition. Outcast excluded and as a jewish man philip would know this philip would know that he might not be my enemy but he isn't someone to be included he's different but notice god's already at work in in this man's life he's reading the book of isaiah god's at work around philip but what happens next won't won't happen through god working around philip but at work in and through Philip, not despite Philip, but through him verse twenty nine Jesus spirit says to Philip, "Go up to the chariot, stand near it, but Philip does more than that he goes up and he hearing this man reading the book aloud he he asks the question what are you what are you reading? Do you understand it the The man answers, "No, I don't, but how am I meant to if no one explains and here Philip Philip loving like jesus he includes and embraces the excluded and the different he sits beside him and the the eunuch asks him tell me who is this man that the prophet is talking about and philip begins to tell the eunuch that this man isaiah is talking about is jesus jesus is this man who died the humiliating and excruciating death nailed to the cross dealing with the consequences of sin so that people could be brought back into a relationship with god you know i wonder though philip and the eunuch ever got to isaiah 56 verses 3 to 5 where god says to eunuchs i will include you where he says i'll give you within my temple and within its walls a memorial or a name better than sons and daughters i'll give you an everlasting name, enduring forever. In other words, Jesus came to die for you, Ethiopian eunuch, to bring you into a loving relationship with God. He doesn't exclude you. Either way, this is exactly what the eunuch experiences in verses 36 to 40. He believes and he is baptized and he's immersed into a relationship with Jesus. And again, what do we notice In this hard situation, the eunuch goes rejoicing. Here's the third hard situation where it might seem incompatible with excitement and joy, but here they are together as God continues to grow his church as his people include the outcast and the different. And so... Now, as we think about and continue to face the hard situation we find ourselves in, we will continue to face the hardship, the the discomfort, the difficulty of loving those we struggle to love and including those who are different to us. And although, you know, loving... You know, people we struggle to love and including those who are different, you know, it does apply to, to how we do church here, you know, our membership, how we relate to one another. But, but notice the point or the focus of this particular passage is, is focusing on how we love and include those who aren't Jesus' people yet. It's how we do mission. And so God's showing us from this passage that he is at work around us. That the God who is bigger than what we're facing, he is at work. And he will continue to grow his church. But we need to realize that just because God is bigger than what we're facing, and just because God is going to continue to grow his church, it doesn't mean that God wants to work despite us. God doesn't want to work despite you. He wants to work in and through you. And so not only do we need to grow an ever-deepening awareness that God is at work around us, but we need to grow an ever-deepening awareness of how God is at work in us and through us. Let me tell you what this looks like, at least for me, because I know in hard situations, when I am struggling to love someone, When I am faced with someone who is different to me, and I need to include them, you know, often I am not aware that God is present with me in the mess of emotions going on in myself. The fear, the anger, the sadness, the uncertainty. I'm far more aware of that, sadly, than I am of God's presence. And so in these moments, I'm often not aware. I'm not seeing God, but I'm seeing anger. I'm seeing fear. I'm seeing sadness. These things are at work within me. And so in that moment, if I'm not aware of who God is, that he's present with me, he's at work within me, how am I supposed to love like him? These moments, you know, for me, need to become cues, reminders that God is present with me in whatever I'm feeling, whatever, however, I'm struggling to love and to include. And that in that moment, a cue to remind me afresh that I belong to the God who loved me when I was his enemy, who included me when I was different. And it cost him deeply and immersed in these love, now I get the privilege, the joy of showing that to those who are hard for me to love, who are different to me and hard to include. Because how can God be at work in us and through us if we aren't even aware that he's in the room? because as we let Jesus, the Spirit, do his work in us and through us, what's happening in that moment is that we're actually becoming like Jesus. We are being shaped into his very likeness. And that is exciting. When the people in our life get a taste, a glimpse, of that this is who Jesus is, because he's at work in us and through us. Jesus is on display in these moments and so we are going to face hard people people who are hard to love we are going to face you know different people different people with different ethnicity different cultures different sexual orientation you know, different physical and mental capacities different families different ages different relationships different occupations different religious backgrounds different you know, character and personalities And God's bringing these people into our life, into your life, so that they might get a taste and a glimpse of who Jesus is. So who who has God placed in your life that you are finding hard to love at the moment? Who has God placed in your life that's different to you and you are finding very hard to include? You know, if there's someone that you know, is is kind of invaded your mind right now, re- respect this moment for what it is as, as God inviting you to do something. To be aware of who he is, who you are because of Jesus, and to love. So what is one thing that you could do to love and include whoever this person is? And who might be one person that you could, you could share this with to support you as you push into hard situations of loving and including others? And you know, one suggestion you know, I'd love to suggest here is you know, talk to Janet. You know, she's done a lot of thinking about how you know, to love those who are different, to include those who are different. You, know, you might want to check out um, the Healthy Church's website where she's started to write some articles. I mean, talk to someone about it. Invite them in to help you work through how to love those who are hard to love and to include those who are difficult. Because we need to realize that the degree to which we are aware of what Jesus is doing in us will be the degree to which he will work through us. Remember, God doesn't want to work around you. He doesn't want to work around us in the way that he needs to work despite us. He wants to work in us. And through us in these hard situations and as we've seen as god does this the church grows and there's joy and there's excitement because jesus spirit has been unleashed in the world and in our lives and and as we face the hard situations before us there's reason there's reason for joy and there's reason for excitement because he's at work let me pray Heavenly Father, thank you that you have unleashed your spirit in the world around us and you're at work. But thank you that you have unleashed your spirit within us and you're at work through us. Please grow in us an ever-deepening awareness that you're here and you're present and that you want to work through us. Help us to love those we struggle to love. Help us to include those that we struggle to include, that who are different display the beauty and the glory of Jesus in this way through our lives.